Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Everybody, welcome back to another episode of Broadway Breakdown, My Obsession. I am Matt Koplick. With me today is a wonderful actor, singer, dancer. You've seen him tour the country in Motown and Something Rotten. You've seen him sail the season after midnight. Uh, and if you're me, you know him from the prestigious Emerson College. Uh, please welcome to the pod, Mr. Devin Holloway. Hello, Devin. Hello, Matt. Thanks for having me. Thank you for being here. Uh, so, Devin, let, let me put you on the spot right here, right now. <laughs> Do you remember the first time we met? Do you remember what your impression of me was? I'm assuming negative, but I love alternative feedback. It's not negative. I, I think, I don't remember our first time meeting, but I, I do just remember, because we worked uh, quite a bit during, during college together. Um, I remember you being very opinionated and just having, you know, just knowing a lot about theater and be like, well, this is what I think about this show. And then, I don't know, it was, it was always a great conversation starting, like the back and forth. So, yeah, that, it, has always, that has always been a consistent, I will say. It's lovely to know that I haven't grown at all in the last <laughs> 10 years. I have remained exactly the same. Mm-hmm. I've stunted as a human being. Yeah, no, no, always been opinionated. But I mean, Emerson College was definitely a landscape for opinionated people. I agree. I agree. And I felt like, coming into college, I didn't have as maybe strong opinions or refined opinions. Mm-hmm. That's always obviously a objection, you know, objectional, but um, I felt like going to college, going to Emerson and not just within theater, musical theater, but like the film department, uh, communication, everyone was very opinionated. So I've, I felt my taste and my, uh, what I thought about shows and musicals or mm-hmm. art in general my my way in kind of critiquing the art form uh grew so yeah. i would say that 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 has helped me you know yeah no absolutely uh after midnight was known for having a lot of famous guests on broadway fantasia mm-hmm. barino who i saw I believe vanessa williams did it at one point you told me that the iconic tony winning melba moore was in it for a while while you did it on the ship. Fun fact, I think some listeners already know, but Melba Moore was my first Fontaine when I saw Les Mis on Broadway. 
Yep. Oh. And, and because she did it for such a short period of time, I can actually pinpoint when I saw it. I saw it right around my fifth birthday because she was in it from like January to, or maybe, yeah, fifth birthday, January to March of 95. And I remember that she was my Fontaine. So that's my fun fact for you. Uh, any fun facts for us about Melba? Uh, yeah, we, we worked together for about two months on the ship. Mm-hmm. Uh, Melba Moore is a hoot. She, she's very, um, she's very shy or comes off very shy. Mm-hmm. But once, once, you know, she kind of warms up to you. <laughs> I, the, the girls, we, we played Uno a lot backstage. Mm-hmm. And one of the, the ladies uh, asked, hey, Miss Melba, would you like, you want to, have you ever played Uno before? And she goes, oh, no. <laughs> that was very that Jennifer was, Lewis right there. Right? Oh. Uh, no. <laughs> and that was it. So she never played Uno with us, but we, I, me and Melba, we had dinner, you know, lunch once and she's, she's a hoot. She gave me some advice. And mm-hmm. Did she tell you any um, scintillating stories of Broadway past? No, not, not any scintillating stories, but definitely she's told me about uh, like her ups and downs in her career. Cause mm-hmm. that's very, prominent or or she you know she just talks about it very openly Mm -hmm. um so she told me about that and um just kind of shared a little bit of the wisdom of like just being in the business and like making sure you have your hands in different pots and trying to stay relevant and Mm -hmm. all while just being so cool and she's she's like your auntie you know your auntie off in the corner just you know who who sings and belts her face off. And she's, she still has an amazing voice. I mean, like, you can't take that kind of gift away. Like you listen to I her mean, in Pearly and you're like, Jesus. Some people, and it's, it's not fair. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, yes, no, that's fair. Some people had the gift and it was snatched right away from them. That is fair, you're right. Um, yeah. I'm just blinded by diva love. I, I'm obsessed with her. In fact, so actually question for you because I had jimmy larkin on the pod a few weeks ago who listeners will know from his other account let's hear it for the choice and we talked about sort of the legacy of broadway and how a lot of performers in musical theater now don't really know their history as well and it's less about like oh you need to know absolutely everything and more of like it's just it's it's good to know some stuff did people did most people in the cast know who she was before she went into the show not, I would say half of the people. I think people okay. of Melba Moore. They like, oh, Melba Moore. I knew her because mm-hmm. I'm a because I raised you right. Because <laughs> I'm a huge actually. So when I was in college, his name's John Edwards. He was on tour with Jersey Boys. Um, mm-hmm. he was the one black character. T- the the the, the, the Titus- yeah the Titus Burgess track yeah. Uh, so John, I hit him up. I was you know obviously still a student. I was like, I didn't know there were black people in Jersey Boys. <laughs> I was like, oh, wow, that's pretty cool. Um, and he took me out to dinner and like, he just kind of laid some musical theater knowledge on me. And then he told me actually about Melbourne Moore. He was like, have you heard of Pearly? Have you heard of Melbourne Moore? I'm like, no, he was like, check this out. You know, he sent mm-hmm. me some links and everything. And it was really nice to get like, you know, 10 years later, he, I hit him up. I'm like, hey, remember when you like told me, you know, introduced me to Melbourne Moore? Like now I got to actually work with her and, you know, I told her that you introduced me. I don't think they know each other, but, hmm. you know, it was nice. Yeah. Uh, she also 
is in the original company of hair. If you listen to that original cast recording, she's on it. She's the original white boys. It's still, in my opinion, the definitive version of that song. Um, she comes right after Diane Keaton singing black boys. She takes Oscar winner, Diane Keaton, who just sings a really cute little ditty and then wipes the floor with her, with her vocals. It's beautiful. You have an obsession for us today. Yes, you do. Yes, my obsession is the amazing, incomparable Alan Menken. Alan Menken. Don't know her. I don't know her. <laughs> I don't know you, Mariah. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Mariah. Uh, yeah, no, Alan Menken, composer of our childhoods, you know. And that's, you know, people ask me a lot, who, you know, who would, who's your guy? Who's mm-hmm. your composer? And it's, it's Alan Mink. I grew up listening to all of his music. Little Mermaid, Hercules, Aladdin. I was three, four, five years old when all of that came out. Mm-hmm. So, and then obviously more work of his came out throughout the rest of my life. So he's really just kind of been a huge influence on my music and theater life. Mm-hmm. And um, now that I'm doing musical theater, it's really, you know, professionally it's he's really kind of if there's a person who uh composer if i had to pick it, it'd be a new work of alan minkins yeah uh, i mean i don't think it's a stretch to say that our generation of musical theater performers were probably born from his work because we all grew up during the disney renaissance mm-hmm. so mermaid beauty and the beast aladdin pocahontas hunchback hercules like we as children that made an imprint on us and we have become the monsters we are today because of Alan Menken. So do you remember the moment you became aware of Alan Menken? Like obviously you knew the work because you grew up with it, but like when you became aware of the man who was responsible for it? I think it was maybe sometime in middle school or high school. Um, the theater bug bit me right after Katrina. I'm from New Orleans. Mm-hmm. So I moved an hour outside to Gonzales right after Katrina. And I, my first musical was uh, Thoroughly Modern Millie. I did that in middle school. And then once I really started realizing, oh, theater is an actual, like, it's a career. People do this for money. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. cool. Uh, <laughs> then, you know, I, I, I looked into like the Beauty and the Beast and and uh, uh, what came before that Mary Pop Mary Poppins uh, came out around my high school while I was in high school so all of oh, that's not obviously Alan Menken but yeah Disney, um, within the Disney world um, so through my exposure through musical theater I went back and like and realized oh Alan Menken wrote all of this stuff this is this is who he is he's a pretty awesome guy. Um, and then what really kind of set me over the top was the Broadway cast of Mermaid. Obviously, mm-hmm. I grew up with Little Mermaid, mm-hmm. but listening to Titus Burgess sing Under the Sea, uh, Sierra Vargas, Part of Your World, it solidified my love for Alan Menken. And my favorite Alan Menken song to date, um, I have a lot, but right now, at, uh, it's If Only from, from the Broadway cast. That's a controversial choice. 
Why? Why is it controversial? Well, I don't mean like I don't mean to say like it's a bad choice, Devin. I just mean like when I think when people Okay, so I'll I'll I'm I will be blunt right now. I'll be super honest. I know that's really, you know, hard for me. But <laughs> I would say for guys, when it comes to Alan Menken stuff, we have the gays where it's usually Mermaid or Little Shop. Uh, and like, if they had to pick the one, you have, you know, the ingenues like me who pick like part of your world. And then you have <laughs> the brassy divas who usually pick poor, unfortunate souls. Sometimes we pick somewhere that's green and then you have the straights and it's usually, um, newsies or hunchback. Like those are usually the straights choices. So for you to pick mermaid and not just mermaid, but the Broadway version of mermaid and to pick a song specifically from Broadway for like the like an actual song for in for that production like that's i think that's a little controversial not that it's bad it's like very outside the norm so you know good for you you know i did you like there, my condescension there just then good for you good for you no there's there is a lot of uh, controversy behind the the mermaid uh production of of the broadway production, broadway production of, of mermaid yeah yeah but I've seen bootlegs. I, I went to Lincoln Center and I've watched uh, Faith Prince, who was uh, Ursula. <laughs> He's the one who's recorded at Lincoln Center. The one oh. who's recorded at Lincoln Center. Um, I loved it. I was upset. I'm still obsessed with it. Like mm-hmm. I was holding out. I was like, okay, I think I was in high school when it when Mermaid uh, opened on Broadway. Mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, at least get like four more years. It can last, you know, Beauty and the Beast lasted for what, 10, 10, 15 years? Oh, yeah. I'm like, ah, you know, I can I can play Sebastian in like five years, maybe if they want to cast a young out of high school, maybe out of a uh, college actor. Yeah, they 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 could have, but they just couldn't last long enough for you. I'm so sorry. They couldn't last long enough. What I love about If Only is is how beautiful it is and like the intersection of all of these different wants mm. with these be- the beautiful orchestration under it. Like it just pulls at my heartstrings. The orchestration for the Broadway production is quite lovely. So is it, it's If Only or the If Only Quartet that's your favorite? Yes. Okay. I will say it is beautiful music. My only issue with it, so I think it's Glenn Slater who did the new lyrics and mostly they're fine, but there's one lyric and it's in if only, you know, if only, if only quartet. And it's because it's such a serious song. Mm. He gives Triton a water pun. And I'm like, that's now is not the time for this. Cause it's normally it's the, how could she just suddenly completely disappear into thin water? And I'm like, no, this is a serious moment. Don't give me a water pun, bitch. That's not what this is. She disappeared into thin, thin water. <laughs> and I'm like, God, Damn it! I was so mad. Now I'm thinking about into thin water. Right. <laughs> I will say though, like, she's in love. Total bop. She's in love is a bop. Um, uh, human stuff. A good tap. N- that that's that's a tap number, right? Yeah. Yeah. Human- uh, no. Uh, oh. it's um. Positivity. Positivity is the tap number. Yeah. I okay. So Devin, I did not love it on Broadway because I am very protective of the movie. Uh. And I'm not a traditionalist. Like that movie's just, it's like top three films of my of my life. I will say, despite the fact that I didn't love it, I did see it twice. So I don't know what that says about me. See, I'm just, I never even got to see it in the theater. I was, and I knew someone from, um, from, so I'm in Gonzales right now, uh, 
from Gonzalez, uh, where I started performing. Mm-hmm. She started performing at this at the local uh, performing arts academy that I studied at, and she was the she was joining the cast right before they closed. She joined the class, I think in may and they close in august hmm. but she was gonna be she was understudy for ariel uh i think she maybe went on once um yeah i would be surprised i was i mean great i'm gonna go see her in this you know broadway show and then and then no it's okay i'm i'm if she did her if she did it correctly i'm sure there's somebody out there with an audio of her in the show somewhere somewhere yeah. she probably has it herself i'm sure oh yeah what i've i was again i'm gonna I'm going to spill some tea. I love that when Broadway performers are like, no bootlegs, it's illegal, we should be compensated for our work. Hunt, 50% of those bootlegs come from the inside. It's like someone who's an understudy going on and they're like, so I have friends coming, no one record it, wink. <laughs> but like, I get it, like it's, theater is fleeting, it's, you know, it's in the moment and you want something to remember it by. So you said middle school when you started really kind of getting the theater bug biting you. Did you start making the connection that he was writing all these other things that you loved? Like it was like, oh, he's responsible for Beauty and the Beast and Mermaid and Little Shop. Yeah. yeah. Kind of went down the the Alan Menken uh, rabbit hole, mm-hmm. if you will, and just kind of educated myself, you know, mm-hmm. what he's done. <clears throat> what is it about his work that you like the most like overall why ever ever since i was a kid i've always loved magic um i'll tell you a story about my first time going to disney world uh after this story which i think is probably also important to why i love alan Menken. Mm-hmm. Um, but i've always loved magic i think that's i think i think there's a little part of me you know even though i know that magic isn't real there's a part of me that's like maybe well maybe it is and there's something i i can't put my finger on it but there's something about in all of his music it sounds magical it just does even even his non like uh, like uh what is it uh bronx like not his non-disney stuff even his non-disney stuff there's something that's just magical about it Mm. Uh, and i love it uh, and the, what I also love about Helen Macon is that you you can tell what what is his. I was the first time I watched Sausage Party. I think it was in college. I, I was, I was, and then we went into the theater and we're watching. And then, dear God, da 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 da, da. and I'm like, I'm sitting there. And and then they started to get into the patter song, the patter uh, section of it. And I'm like, oh, that's Alan Menken. Like, I I knew it immediately. Yeah. Um, it's it Sausage Party. Sausage Party is the movie where they're like food, but they're like in a cult or something. Is that? Is that... I wouldn't say a cult. No, they're, okay. they're, they're food and their supreme leaders, which is other food, tell them that, um, that the humans are gods and that um red red white and blue day is upon us and that's when the humans come and take us to the great beyond which is actually death (laughs) ever seen this movie i just remember seeing the trailer being like what you've you've never seen zaza's party no 
Um, it's, it's, so that's, that's, if anyone who knows that movie, that's my type of humor. Like just okay. kind of. Also, I'll, I'm in no place to judge anyone for having watched it. I say like, no, I've never watched it. Like I just spent the last two weeks watching every single holiday movie Netflix has to offer. So like, I'm in no position to judge anyone for anything. Although my mom and I did accidentally watch Jingle Jangle. And I say that because no one told us it was good. Our goal was to just watch not good movies. And then we watched that and we're like, I'm sorry. No one <laughs> told us that this was a good one. We like we cried, we applauded. And I was like, we need to go back to watch Christmas on the Square. Like we need Dolly Parton knocking up the preacher's wife. <laughs> to, like get us back to to our normal level of holiday magic should i watch uh jingle jangle first or uh christmas uh on the square square. okay well jingle jangle's like actually good so i don't know um it's also a bit longer and it takes a minute like jingle jangle probably takes 10 minutes to get into because at first you're like oh it's just trying to be like greatest showman and then the plot kicks in with the little girl and you're like here for it christmas on the square by the first three minutes you're hooked because there's an aerial flyer woman in the town gazebo jennifer lewis runs the hair salon with a bunch of voguing gays and they it's also a musical i don't know if i mentioned that it's a musical oh you didn't mention no that it's that's a musical, <laughs> it's a musical. <laughs> by the way it's a musical <laughs> by the way it's a musical they have the whole town fits inside one church it's like a town of 90 people and half of them are the gays from the non-ec tour of Kinky Boots. They're just, it's so good. Oh, and there's like a little girl. There's a seven-year-old girl whose dad, I guess, like owns the town bar. And whenever he's not there, she tends bar. So like when Christine Bransky walks into the bar, she's tending bar. And they sing a whole song. They sing a duet together. She and the little girl, while the girl's behind the bar, pouring her a whiskey. That sounds like Christmas to me. So tell me your Disney World story, and then we'll get back to the mank. Uh, Disney World story. Um, so five-year-old me, first time going to Disney, first time on a plane. Uh, go, we go to Disney World, uh, having the best time. I'm seeing all of the characters, but my the person I really wanted to see was the genie. My mm-hmm. whole plan was I go up to him, he gets three wishes. I only really need one. I want magic powers. <laughs> like done i got you know i got this planned out i I remember this like it's burned into my memory right we finally find the genie i see him he's like towering i have a picture of me with the genie as well uh he's towering over me and i'm like oh my god hi genie i'm Devin. (laughs) all i i know i get three i just want one i want magic powers and he looks at me and he just touches me on the head with his genie hand and like rubs my head. And then I'm like, oh yeah, <laughs> magic powers. And I try to make my grandmother disappear and she doesn't disappear. 
And I immediately start screaming and crying inside Disney Park, realizing that I don't have magic powers and magic doesn't exist. That's so sad. (laughs) Isn't that terrible? If I were the genie at Disney World and some little tyke came up to me and said, I have three wishes, but I just want one. Give me magic powers. I would have put my hand on your head, looked you dead in the eyes and say, no, and then walked away. (laughs) With his plastered smile. (laughs) No. (laughs) No. I actually found out that's, I found out that theater wasn't real when I was four because I saw Beauty and the Beast on Broadway and my father knew somebody so we got to go backstage and for some reason meeting susan egan seeing the wigs seeing the costumes none of that registered with me that that was part of the show i was just like oh you know whatever we get to the stage and bell's house is backstage and in the broadway production you know it's it's a facade you know it's it just comes slides on so they can go in and out of it Mm-hmm. and whatever but i see it and it's so beautifully detailed and it looks just like the movie and i'm like bell's house i'm gonna see where bell lives and i run inside and there is nothing it's just wood there might have even been like a stool there or something so like tom bosley could sit and i remember <laughs> i didn't have a meltdown i was very calm i was like huh it's not real <laughs> <laughs> it all made sense all of a sudden <laughs> it's not real it's not real yeah it, it was i having your dreams kind of uh broken in the happiest uh, uh, quote-unquote the happiest place yeah Squan could argue that you and i both found magic through alan menken's work but then also had that magic shattered through works through his- associated by alan menken you the genie and me bell's house yeah absolutely. so thanks mank you ruined dreams ruined my childhood no <laughs> that's so would you say, what's, what is your favorite Alan Menken movie? And would that equate your favorite Alan Menken score as well? Or would they be separate? I, I would say they were they're separate. Um, probably, probably my favorite movie is Hercules. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, see, favorite score, uh, it, it's, it's, that's really hard. Because mm. I love, I love them all so equally. <laughs> I, Alan, Alan Menken would say, I love all my shows. Uh, I think now's a good time to tell you, Devin, he's probably not going to listen to this. So you don't need to kiss his ass right now. Right. Um, let me see. I, I'm, I'm, it, it's probably, Hercules is definitely the best favorite film, but like up there, like it's Hercules and Mermaid. Mm. Um as far as uh, scores are concerned. I mean, on more than one occasion, do I just like listen to the orchestral music of Mermaid? Because those, I've said it before, the opening title sequence in Mermaid is some of the most beautiful arrangements I've ever heard and will ever hear. Um, yeah, no, it, it's it's interesting because his music is so versatile. Like he ha- he's done so many different styles. Hercules is so different from Beauty and the Beast, so different from Pocahontas and whatnot. And yet there is that like touch of it that makes you go, that's Alan Menken. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, that the big choral music and Hunchback, even though it's like booming and... <laughs> if, if, if you're going to get me to cry, it's definitely a big choral number with a high soprano, you know, on a desk can't end it. Like that's... Just... I will cry any, <laughs> any day. Oh, like, yeah. Be our guest with... 
The desk. <laughs> I know exactly what you're talking about. Oh, sing to I me. I think it's supposed to be like, I think it's supposed to be the wardrobe that's singing that line. You know what was, so, you know what I was upset with? Uh, you, you say that you were upset, upset with one thing uh, in uh, in uh, Little Mermaid, uh, if only, right? So, yeah. the one thing I was upset with, with Alan Menken, Alan, if you're listening, um, was the Beauty and the Beast movie. I actually really, really, really enjoyed it. I'm like, oh, this is a nice adaptation of a live action. What really grind my gears watching that movie was waiting for Be Our Guest and knowing Audra McDonald is the wardrobe mm-hmm. for Audra McDonald to do the desk cat and Be Our Guest. I'm like, here it comes, here it comes. And it doesn't happen. And there's no one who's doing the desk cat and be our guest in the. And it really, really just. <laughs> I couldn't. I was like, what? I was over it. Girl, that whole movie was homophobic. <laughs> <laughs> If they were truly brave, if Alan Menken was truly an ally, he would have had Audra McDonald bitch slap Emma Thompson off the screen when the title song was originally going to happen and say, this is my turn. Pull a, pull a full Natalie Portman in Black Swan, say, it's my turn, and sing the title song because that's what we deserve. I, I, Audra could, I mean, maybe I'm biased. Audra could have been used more. I don't I w- think that's bias. I think that's fact. <laughs> it's a fact. She's amazing. I want Audra in more movie music. What she's in? Beauty and the Beast, Annie. Is that it? Um, yes, but I just... <laughs> so I've been doing a lot of research for a new YouTube channel that I'm going to be doing in 2021 that's on, you know, theater and movie musicals and whatnot. And the first two videos that I'm working on is about Avita and Annie. And so I, part of my research is listening and watching all the various versions of Annie, reading the script again. And the stage version of Annie is actually a lot stronger than we give it credit for. However, the 1999 movie version has my favorite arrangements of that score, if only because they give Audra so much to sing. Mm-hmm. Audra in that whole, uh, uh, that whole sequence, uh, the, uh, you're gonna like it here. Mm-hmm. The only thing that is even close to Audra just sliding all over that song is Alicia Morton belting that F. It's an E or an F. She goes, I know I'm gonna like it here. Uh, I just, I cream every time. With a hard R. <laughs> yeah, oh my God. She's 12. She's allowed. Here. She's allowed. She's 12 years old. <laughs> Like, is this Elba Merman singing? Here. She doesn't, I don't think she has any vibrato on that. She, I, I'm almost, in fact, because that's something that I was listening to. Because, you know, Andrew McCardle has that very hard vibrato. You know, 13. Mm. I am positive Rob Marshall's in the sound booth, threateningly whispering into Alicia Morton's ear, you're going to straight tone everything, you little bitch. <laughs> we will not have any annoying child singers in this movie. We're going to lower the key so you're not belting your face off and you're not going to do any vibrato, okay? Like, I, now get in there and sing. Now get in there, you little shit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, why am 
I so rude to children? Um, is there so? Okay. Little Shop of Horrors. What are your thoughts? What is your intake? What recording do you prefer? Um, I love the the movie version. Of the course. Movie, the movie version uh, recording and the Broadway revival recording. Those are like so. Those two are the two that I kind of. Mm-hmm. Uh, go back and forth between um which i'm obsessed with but uh i i love i i don't i i love the the i feel like the movie is more is grittier you yeah know? which i which i love and in with that story and the 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 broadway revival is cleaner but i love how clean it is like i'm like oh i can hear all of the i can hear everything mm-hmm. so I love them for totally opposite reasons. Oh yeah, it's they're. I think that's fair, because first of all, the score is the score. It's a phenomenal score. Yeah, and both casts do a really good job with it. Uh, I love that the revival included the bridge in the title song that they added for the movie. Mm. Yeah. Um, side note: Did you know that the urchins in the movie were teenagers when they made it? In the movie with Rick yeah. Moran. Yep, Tisha Campbell, Tashina Arnold, and Michelle Weeks were uh, 16, 17, and 18 when they recorded that film. No, they weren't. They 100% were. I found out over the summer, I proceeded to tell everyone I knew, and I will continue to say it because it's important for everyone to know, they were teenagers. Uh, I didn't know that. I thought they were at least like late 20s. Same. Like it was already doing... Uh, 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 Martin. Martin was, uh, I think, like three years later. Wow. Wow. And House Party, I think, was around the same time. Uh, Because, yeah, they, yeah, no, they were full-on teenagers. I had no idea. Belting their faces off. And it's, it's fierce. It's, it's, like, they're talking about, uh, a little shop remake i'm not opposed to it mm-hmm. but but when you have the original and they just kind of shot all over and you're it's just like no one can touch it it's 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 great they destroyed that dressing room that it's unusable now uh, you can't get in there if there's nothing to, there's nothing you could do I was obsessed with Sister Act when it came out. Uh, lady in the in the long black dress. Uh, <laughs> like I was I was uh, listening to. Funny enough, I was listening to Sister Act uh, last week, and I'm thinking, oh wow, this is actually such a great want song. Like I'm gonna like put this song into my book. Like I've I've never I don't really ha- I have out out there not out. <laughs> Can you imagine uh, uh, causing out. the thing? Out. <laughs> out is the is the version of out there that they redefine for Pride Week. Pride Week, yeah. And um, out. Out. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
No, but like I'll, I have out there in there, you know, I have mm -hmm. kind of like the big dramatic sing songs that, that Alan Macon has wrote, but I don't really have any funny, which is really, that's where I live. Like mm. I, I love, you know, I love to be dramatic, but I love a good silly, you know, something, just something that's fun. And Lady in the Long Black Dress um, <laughs> is just, it's a great, you know, like a good 16. Funny sixteen bar. Are you implying that Alan Menken writes a good "I Want" song, Devin? Alan Menken writes good songs in period. Yes, but I would say his signature is the "I Want" song. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, out there. Uh, what's another one? Um, part girl. Part of your world. Part of your world. Obviously, part of your part world. of your world is the perfect "I Want" song. I'm trying to think of other "I Want" songs that that aren't really you know. Uh, uh, the Great Beyond from Sausage Party is a great I want song. <laughs> <laughs> You're really trying to make that happen. It is, though. It is. They All they want to do is salvation. I'll make you a deal. You watch Christmas on the Square. I will watch Sausage Party, okay? Done. 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 Um, yeah, I mean, out there, uh, I will go the distance. Go, that's what I was thinking. Go the distance. Everyone's the distance. Songs, you know, but... Yeah. Around the Riverbend. Just around, yeah. And I guess Bell is not itself an I want song. I, I guess it is. All of Bell's stuff is pretty like, there's got to be more, more than this. And then the reprise, she literally sings, I want. Um, does Aladdin have an I want song? I mean, Proud of Your Boy. Is yeah, it? it's not in the movie, but it's in the show. Yeah. Proud uh, of Your Boy. Part of your world is kind of an I want. It's a love song, but I I want you song. Part of your world reprise becomes a love song. Part of your world, the first one is totally an I want song because there's no man whatsoever, and that's up in that song. She oh. wa she wants to be part of it. No, D Devin. I meant to say a whole new world. Excuse me. A whole new world. Okay, I was about to get so angry with you because that that is the rock that I will die on with with that movie. Your world reprise is is an I love you song. Part of your world is yes. I yes. want. Well, it's 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 still an I want song, but it's interesting because people are tired of hearing me talk about it. But guess what, guys? You tune into my podcast, so deal with it. That it's the genius of those two songs is that it's the same want. She wants to be part of the human world. It's just that the reprise becomes more focused because now there's a tangible thing to hold on to. Whereas in the first version, it's an ideal. Yeah. Yes. It's thematic. It's ideal. And then the second version, there's an actual goal to get. Uh, and people mistake. Wait, sorry. So every time I talk and you try to talk, I you get muted. So I'm going to shut up. So you say something. No, 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 no. I was just saying, uh, I was just agreeing with you. <laughs> yes, no. But I wanted everyone to hear you agree with me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, God, I'm an asshole. No, it's that's just, that's something that I have like just yelled at on the internet before because people like to make jokes about that movie without regard it's like oh she gives up her voice for a man she gets legs so she can spread them open for a man i'm like no that's not what it is it's not what it is it's not what it is anywho that movie so doesn't need my defending maybe i'm i don't think i'm really sheltered but i've never heard that i can see why people would say that but um it's a very lazy woke interpretation of the movie because in order to come to that conclusion you have to ignore literally a thousand intricacies that the movie 
puts out in front of you about the storytelling, about the characters. Uh, that is my two cents. I understand people, we all come to stories with our own journey. So we interpret them how we come to them. But with that movie in particular, I'm like, they work really hard to show you that that's not what it's about. Um, and also to like show that some, like as, as a protagonist, sometimes Ariel does make bad choices because she's 16 and she's flawed. Like everyone. I, I think if a character doesn't make mistakes, then we're, we're not seeing the human side. No one wants to, no one wants to be, I love watching pop stars not hit a note. Like it's, <laughs> great great like they don't like they mess up sometimes too great like there's this video of beyonce um where she video. falls down the stairs oh that one but um <laughs> no, actually during the homecoming she it's she's singing love on top mm-hmm. and people will fight me about this but <laughs> she's like slightly flat or slight slightly sharper she's just not on the note mm-hmm. that we know beyonce can be on the note and I'm listening to it. It's it's in it's in the the homecoming uh, soundtrack. And I'm listening to her singing. I'm like, oh my god, it's there. And she and she wasn't really on it like for one second. Like, oh, she's not. You know, like I love that. It makes me makes it. You know, yeah. Only out there. <laughs> well, it's it's yeah. It's it makes them first of all makes them human, and we relate to them a bit more. I I can't relate to someone who's who's quote unquote perfect. You know. Mm-hmm. no flaws what's interesting about that yeah, yeah. oh you're great <laughs> look at you up on that pedestal wow oh yeah. i'll be not being great no <laughs> i guess that's why i don't have any friends Devin, because people just can't relate to me in my perfection I mean, you know who's a real life Ursula is RuPaul. RuPaul. RuPaul brings these queens onto Drag Race like with the with the voice contract and says, "Come here, you'll love being on the show. You'll love the followings you'll get." Um, <laughs> you know what RuPaul would be, and he would be a sexy Ursula. And I don't, I don't, I'm not opposed to a sexy Ursula. My sexy Ursula is Sherry Renee Scott. That's just you know, like I don't think. And I think she did sexy in a really kind of like, oh, that's sexy. <laughs> like, it, very, it was it was very Mae West the way she did it. It was very ha oh, ha. Huh. I you know you know, and I think that works. Um, Plus, she I, sang the shit out of it. Sang the shit out of it. Uh, RuPaul, RuPaul would bring RuPaul to it. Yeah, and that, that's not a, that's not not to your shade. It's just. Well, I mean, oh. it's shade in the sense that RuPaul's not versatile. Uh, we that's something we know about her she's verse <laughs> she does she well we don't we don't know if she's verse <laughs> well I, she may be verse in one way she's been she's gone onto record on her podcast to say how much she loves a fat ass so who's to say but in terms of lestage in terms of in front of the camera she, the girlfriend is not is not a versatile talent she can do three kinds of emotions <laughs> Just like in life. <laughs> but I'm sh- this is the episode that's going to get shut down because the Illuminati. RuPaul sends the, uh, his lawyers. <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, so if after 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 Little Mermaid, 
what what Alan Menken show do you want to see transfer? Because they're probably going to do something else next. Oh, like uh, to do a live action remake, or even, a, or even a musical. I'm I'm here for. Um, well, I'll be honest. I don't really care for any live action remakes in the future. My the only thing that's sort of gotten me excited about the Little Mermaid one is I think the casting is pretty strong. Um. <laughs> And Rob Marshall has proven himself to be fine at movie musicals. Rob so, Marshall stuff. Yeah, so fine. I don't need any more. Uh, I would love to see them bring Hercules officially to the stage, not just the one week in the summer that they did. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And like, I don't know. Can, can we find a way to get those three movie urchins to do like a reunion concert and just... Uh, do the songs again? I mean, that would be amazing. I wonder... Um, there's, there's always been something with like, you know, like they come back 20 years later and you're like, oh. Uh, yeah. I, I don't know. I really needed that. Like, now I have this. Me- now I have this. Now I have a memory of them doing it like this. Oh, no. <laughs> this taste in my mouth when you could have just left it as you know that's one of my biggest <laughs> well i mean they could they can if they're smart they'll go the jody benson route and just like every five years take it down half a step so it's subtle and we aren't noticing it right away but like you listen to her sing part of your world now she still sounds lovely but it is like two steps down which okay, no shade she's been doing it for 30 years her voice has matured um yep. And it's it's written it's written to be sung in a very light way, so it's not like she can belt it. Uh, but yeah, I mean, if those three urchins can sing it in a key that works for them, I love to hear them go at it again. Have you seen the video of uh, Tisha Campbell singing "I'm Still Here"? <laughs> Is that Tisha Campbell, or am I thinking someone else? Uh, Tashina Arnold is the one who is on the neighborhood. Is that what it's called? With um, uh, uh, Cedric the Entertainer. Yes. Yes. There's a different. There's a different thing of um. I think Tisha Campbell has a song. Yeah, she Mm -hmm. has a song. She has many songs. I I'm still still here. (laughs) I'm still here. Um, and it's 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 it's. Is it? It's something. Something. Yeah. Okay. Listen, that girl's legacy is the faces she makes in the Little Shot movie. When you watch the opening number, your it's not just the fact that she's in the center of it all. The face she gives is is a star. Is giving face. They they all are. But Tisha Kim was like living in every like pulsation mm-hmm. that like she she's giving it. And um, I'm thinking. I, uh, Please remind me of the the the, the third actress who, who who wasn't in uh, Martin with Tisha Michelle Weeks. Michelle Weeks sings her ass off. Mm-hmm. First of all, I just want to say this is what I'm here for, Devin. Like I'm here to tell you exactly the three actresses because you know that I have it memorized it forever and always. It's tattooed on my lo- left butt cheek. Um, she, she is. Yeah, so she's doing all the high notes. There are times when she and Tisha Campbell both do the high notes together which is when that song just like gets me pregnant um mm-hmm. 
what it is so like so we have Tashina Arnold giving us like the growls because she's always like the alley you pull it off the stoop you have Michelle giving us the high notes and you have Tisha giving us face and just her facial expressions are that of a superstar and I don't mean this in a Christmas on the square oh I'm being shady way I mean this like with every iota of my being I'm saying Tisha Campbell could top me if she wanted to I mean she probably will if you ask I'm sure she's done it to many men I'm sure many (laughs) gay men have stopped her on the street and said please and she was like oh fine again if I must (laughs) <laughs> bring out the dildos uh, <laughs> how many times do you think that was said on the set of little shop of hearts bring out the dildos <laughs> that's going to be the quote for this episode by the way bring out the dildos <laughs> bring out the dildos do you think that was alan menken's inspiration when writing all of his harmonies for both little shop hercules and sister act what was the question do you th- so I think I think when Alan Menken was writing for the urchins in Little Shop, the muses in Hercules, and the nuns in Sister Act, he thought to himself, "How can I make a group of women top a theater filled with gay men <laughs> by vocally having them peg them?" So, it, in order to get inspiration, he whipped out a bunch of dildos while he wrote "Raise Your Voice," "Zero to Hero." some fun now he just threw the dildos at the piano and and <laughs> saw what notes they hit He's like, whatever notes they hit that's the song <laughs> and the gays will love it <laughs> and and did we ever songs are bops yeah like, they're they're very he's very melodic in a way that i'm not mad about and maybe maybe too too much to to for me <laughs> even because like i if i'm listening to any of his music like i'm that guy in the gym where like i'll have like all my gym clothes and like i look i guess i guess this is butch what i have on i have you know adidas tracksuit and then I start playing some Alan Meek and I'm like, part of your world <laughs> in the gym, like getting my reps in. Like it's, it's a really um, uh, culmination of two different worlds. Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, theater kids love to post those like memes or whatever on, on social media where it's like what they think I'm listening to, what I'm actually listening to. So it's like, they think I'm listening to Kiss or Miley Cyrus, but I'm actually, but, and these kids think like they're so nerdy. Like I'm actually listening to Little Shop of Horrors. And I'm like, bitch, I'm listening to a soundboard of Smile. Like very different level of gay. <laughs> Which isn't Alan Menken, but everyone's like, wow, he must be really listening to some like, some really intense rock music or pop music. And I, in my head, I'm like, I've learned something inspirational. I've got to share it. Bum, bum, bum. Like first rule of saying it. I'm like, yeah. Yep. That is, I mean, I will say, Raise Your Voice is on my, I have a musical theater playlist and I'm not ashamed to say that like half of it's Alan Menken. It's Raise Your Voice. It's the movie title song of Little Shop. It's uh, Feed Me. If, if you're going to do Feed Me, is there a definitive recording of Feed Me that you, um, if someone had to put it into a vault, 
Out of all the feed me, I think there's what five of them. There's there's so there's original off Broadway movie, Hunter Foster, the new one with uh, Jonathan Groff, and yes. I want to say there's another one. Maybe, maybe, maybe not. I'm sure there is. Uh, have you listened to the one with Jonathan Groff? I have. Okay, correct me if I'm wrong. Does it include all of the dialogue when Audrey comes back to the shop with Orrin Scrivello? You know what I'm talking about? Where she left her sweater here before? Does it? I think it, I want to say it does. I think I it say- does. I can't remember. Because I was going to say, probably for me, it's the 2003 revival. Because it's the full scene. Mm-hmm. And you really get the impact at the end of the song with the scene there. Um, yes. With the slap and Carrie Butler's line readings. I think it's just so lovely. Um, close second is the movie just because the Audrey 2 in the movie is iconic. And Rick Moranis slays it. My only gripe is that it doesn't have all of the audio with Audrey and, Scriv- and uh, Oren Scrivello before it goes to the end of it. Fair. I agree. I agree. I agree. Um, yeah. And I'm also... Like I'm, I'm big into puppets, so that that's a whole. <laughs> like, so the fact. So that- we'll make sure that your mom doesn't listen to this episode, so she knows her son's really into puppets. If you know what I mean. <laughs> you said you love magic. Mm, magic, baby. Watch, watch! I make my hand disappear. Um. <laughs> oh no! That was the best thing I've heard in months. Ah. Uh, and I and I've been listening to Meryl Streep belt her tits off for the last few days. So that is saying something. That that's the best thing I've heard in months. Good for you. I will say I don't know if you watched the prom yet. I have. I really, really, really enjoyed it. Um, except one thing. Is it the thing that is the most thing for most people? It's the yeah. most thing for most people. Um, and it's not that. <clears throat> why are we like skating around it, James? Cor- is a is a great is a great actor i i've seen i loved him in uh, uh into the woods mm-hmm. uh, and other things that i've seen him in for i saw the original broadway cast so mm-hmm. my barry my idea of barry was brooke was was brooke right. uh, it's uh am i pronouncing his last name correctly? brooks brooks was brooks so like i you know and you know i'm 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 a little butthurt because that's what I, that's what I'm expecting. That's what I want. Mm. And it just felt a little, it didn't feel as genuine, you know, he's supposed to be over the top and gay and flamboyant and very camp. I get that. Um, But just something about. Yeah. It's, it's, it was, it was a performance of somebody who was trying really hard to be respectful. And I, I, I will say, Objectively speaking, I think James Corden did a lovely job. Like he, I th- I thought he sang it really well. I thought he landed all the laughs. He he did an option up. Like <laughs> he did do an option up. Uh, there, but I, we t- I, t- I talked about it before when uh, I reviewed this with my mom. There is an element of Barry that's similar to Prior Walter and Angels in America, where there's a flamboyancy there, and it's less a matter of like straight man can't do it, and more like you can just tell when a straight guy does it because it doesn't have that lived-in quality. And I don't find it necessarily offensive. I'm just like, it doesn't ring as as honest. Yeah. Also, I'll say for any issues that anyone has with the prom movie, and like I have my issues with it, I say blaming the actor is low-hanging fruit 
blame fucking Ryan Murphy. He cast it. It was all his artistic decision. He made the choice of going, I love that take where James did the thing with the wrist. I love that take where Nicole Kidman's Fosse arms looks like snake arms. Like, that's what it comes down to. But the gays won't say it. The gays won't call out Ryan Murphy because Illuminati, erasure. Illuminati, he's coming for us. He's coming this, for us. This week's episode is brought to you by the words Illuminati and erasure. <laughs> I want to see an original. I want to see an original musical by Alan Menken. Like he's obviously he's he's tied with Disney and has. Yeah. You know, I think. Isn't he working on something though? I think he is. He is working on something. I know he was working on Hercules, and then he said, "I remember watching an interview with him, um, and he was saying he was working on something else." So I'm sure he's working on something. Mm-hmm. Um, Did you watch the Howard Ashman documentary? Not yet. Okay. It's a good cry. He's all over it um, because he's Howard's straight husband. Yeah. But yeah, mm-hmm. it's, it's beautiful. And their, their partnership was such a great one. And it's a shame that it didn't get to continue on as it did. But it's a testament to the Manx talent that he's been able to continue. And in some ways flourish. Some of his biggest successes have been post-Ashman. Yeah. The number, of, the number of straights that Alan Menken has converted to musical theater through Newsies alone he should get a Tony Award just for that. He's Enough. an ally just for that. <laughs> I mean, the pegging is one thing. Being pegged by Tashina Arnold, Tisha Campbell, and Michelle Weeks is one thing. No. <laughs> Why say that again? I say throwing the dildos on his piano and having <laughs> one yeah, thing. Throwing them dildos is one thing. However, Newsies, I'm not, not even that Newsies is like my favorite, but rather like the number of the straight boys that have come into musical theater and being like, I hear you, I accept you. I'm like, Alan Menken is doing God's work. He is, he is. He is. Um, final closing statements on Alan Menken from, from you, Mr. Devin. Uh, keep doing your thing, Mr. Menken. <laughs> and wh- wh- what would you say to somebody who's like curious about investigating his work? Why would you want them to listen to it? I would want them to listen to it because he... All of Alan Menken's music lights a little, you know, touches my heart. And it makes me, reminds me of when I was a kid and had, you know, less responsibility and the world was magic and fun. Uh, and not to say that the world isn't that, but I think listening to his music, you, you, get, um, you, you get a little happy, you know, you, you become a little bit happier. Hmm. And I think that's what we re- really need in this world is, is love and happiness. And Alan Menken does that through his music. Beautifully said. Devin, where can people find you on, on social media online? You can find me at the Devin Holloway, D-E-V-I-N, Holloway, H-O-L-O-O-W-A-Y. On Instagram, uh, devinholloway.net is my website. Uh, and probably in some practice from belting my face off. Do you have a twits or a ticks? You know, I do have a Twitter. Um, I don't really use it that often. It's Devin Dash Holloway. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe that's my handle on Twitter. <laughs> Clearly, you, it's been a while since you've used it. Clearly, I'm, I'm not really on it that much. Sometimes I like link my accounts and post through, but 
I'm really, I've been really lazy with social media um, these days. I go on, I'm like, ah, that's all the same stuff. And then I get off. <laughs> Pretty much. It's always like, you know, I baked this thing. I, I'm in my sweats again, doing this thing. And it's like, okay, yeah, relatable content. We get it. Yeah. Tell me when you've thrown dildos at a keyboard and wrote a song with it. That's when I want to tune in. Alan Minkin, call me. <laughs> Alan Minkin. <laughs> I, I mean, until proven otherwise, I assume that's how he wrote literally all of the Urchin's music. You know what? Um, it, it probably is. And there's probably footage somewhere of him doing it. Like, I'm sure. <laughs> They're just, hiding it. The Illuminati's hiding it. Illuminati's hiding his, uh, his process. No one wants to talk about his process. They want to talk about Alan's music, but they never want to talk about his process. <laughs> that, that's going to be my Alan Menken biopic. And it's going to be called Erasure. <laughs> Erasure. How the Illuminati hid the Menken work process. So this is all to say you can find me on Instagram at Matt Koplik, usual spelling. Usually I ask my guests to close this out with a Broadway theater diva with every episode. However, I graciously, I agree, I mean graciously, I demanded Devin before we recorded that we do Miss Anne Ranking tonight or today, it's tonight as we record for this episode. Devin graciously said yes, because he understood. Um, yeah. Yeah. So uh, thank you for joining me today, Devin, and talking about the Mank and many other things. <laughs> many other things. <laughs> but thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure, my friend. Uh, yeah. So catch us on those social meds and we'll catch you next time. Here's Anne to take us away. Take us away, Annie. Probably crying while Robert Taylor is locked in her dying embrace. Chico and Bracho and Chaplin and Lloyd are all super. Sweet Mickey Mouse, Shirley Temple, and dear Jackie Cooper. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, 
even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.